All right. Take your Bibles. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Remain standing as we will read some scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5. The message I want to bring to you today is titled Preparation for Victory. And you have the hunt coming up. Tomorrow we have soul winning. What an exciting day. It's going to be great to get out there after this long time of COVID. But before there's an activity, before there's a victory, there has to be preparation. There has to be preparation in our life. And I want us to see here, Peter's writing to uh, the Christians that are up in some of the Roman provinces, Bithynia, Cappadocia, different places of that nature. And they're starting to face persecution. They're going through trials. Um, and as he writes this, he wants to give them hope, confidence in Christ. But he also reminds them that, hey, we're going to go through some fiery trials. But when we come to chapter 5, he kind of concludes this whole book with these final verses. And follow with me as I begin reading in verse 5. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would just speak to our hearts. I pray the Holy Spirit will engrave in our hearts the truths that we have in these verses. And Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit will work through me and use me in these next few minutes. And Lord, we will give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we said, Peter is writing to a church and churches that were under persecution and going through many trials. And as we look at this, I think about the hunt. I think about what you're going to be involved in in the next several days. And I think about the fact that you've got to be ready. You have to be prepared. Each individual that's involved in this, you have to be prepared. And I want us to see that there's three keys here in this passage that can bring victory. 
And not just victory for the hunt or victory for this particular activity, but victory in our life every day. Now, first of all, I want you to notice in verses 5 and 6 that Peter says, be humble. The first key is be humble. Notice what he says there at the beginning. He says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. And let me just say that Many of you have maybe just been saved in the last few years. Many of you maybe were saved younger. But remember that when you came to West Coast Baptist College and God led you here, he's put you under teachers. He's put you under those who have been experienced in the ministry. And don't discount that. In fact, he says right there, he says, submit yourselves unto the elder." Those who have gone before you, those who have lived their lives and have been in ministry and have been serving, don't become obstinate. Don't become proud in thinking, well, they can't teach me anything. I know it all. Well, that's not the case. And a lot of the things that we're going to give you in the classroom and the things that you will learn here, you will use in the ministry And you'll find out, you know what? (laughs) They didn't tell me about this, and they didn't tell me about that. Nope. But hopefully we'll give you the tools so that you know how to minister in those situations. Secondly, he says, submit to each other. Notice what he says. Be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. You know, um, there may be some, some of the Uh, students that are in charge of a particular area of the hunt. Don't think you know it all, but be willing to submit to their leadership and to follow that leadership. And when you do, you're going to have a unit that's unified. And when you go into the battle, and it's going to be a battle because we're going to see there's an adversary out there who would like to see this fail. So we have to learn to submit to each other. You know, there's, um, there's folks here that have been here and a lot younger than me um, and have been, not have been here as long as I have. But, you know, when they're in a position of leadership in a particular area of ministry, I need to submit to that leadership. Brother Rule is my uh, director as a connection group leader and, and I, you know, I've been teaching my, my connection group now for good night. I think it's been about 31 years. And yet, when we have meetings, I look forward to them. I want to learn from him. I want to learn principles and truths. And if we have that, that spirit of submission, then we can be receptive. We can be teachable. But pride, when it gets in our way, we can be obstinate and we can say, I don't need to hear this. I've been there, done that, and all that. No, we need to be humble. We need to submit to one another. But then the most important thing I want you to see here is submit to God. Notice what it says there. It says in the last part of verse 5 and into verse 6, it says, For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
that he may exalt you in due time. Now, that word humility has the idea of a deep sense of one's littleness. Um, I like what Dr. Sisk said one time. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's not thinking of yourself. In other words, put self away. Now, you live in the selfie world. People want to take pictures of themselves, and people have done some pretty dumb things taking pictures of themselves. They've fallen off cliffs. They've done all kinds of things. But it's not about you and me. And God says we must have a humble spirit, a humble spirit of realizing I'm just a little person. I am God's tool in his hand. Notice it says God resists the proud. Look, you go into the hunt and you're confident, oh man, I'm, we're, we're gonna do this, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach the fire out of these kids. And you're gonna go into that and you're gonna fall flat on your face because God's not gonna be in it because he resists the proud. And um, <laughs> it should be in everything, by the way. Oh, I'm going to nail this exam, and then you bomb it. We need to rely on God for everything, and that's what he wants. Because when we do, his power is promoted. His power is what's going to get it done. Notice what it says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the what? The mighty hand of God. That means under the powerful hand of God. There are things that God is gonna call you to do and lead you to do that you cannot do on your own. And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, handing out water bottles to visitors or whether it's teaching a Sunday school class or it's working in a bus or it's knocking on doors we need him. We need his power. We cannot do what God wants us to do without his power. I have a little book that I, I like to read through, and I've read through it many times, but there's a, a, a little chapter called Time. It's just simple time. Basically, it's talking about the fact that we are in a rush sometimes, but God works on his timetable. I know some, some students come and they, they want to get done in three years. They want to get done, you know, they want to get done in two years. Or they want to, you know, they want to they rush the cycle. And let me just tell you something. There's a reason why college is four years. It's not just to get head knowledge. It's an opportunity for you to grow, to mature. And it's amazing watching some of you come in as freshmen and you're a mess sometimes. But by the time you graduate, you've matured. You've grown. You can't rush, as they say, you can't rush the washing machine. If you rush the cycle of a washing machine, 
something's not going to come out right. Either the soap isn't going to get rinsed out, or the clothes aren't going to get clean, or they're not going to get spinned out to get all the excess water out of it. If you skip that, your wash is not going to be what you hoped it to be. Now, John Darby said this. He said, it is God's way to set people aside after their first start. That self-confidence may die down. Thus, Moses was 40 years. He spent 40 years in that wilderness. What was God doing? Humbling him. Getting rid of all the self-confidence. Paul was three years also after his first testimony. Not that God did not approve the first earnest testimony. We must get to know ourselves and that we have no strength. And sometimes God's going to let you fall flat on your face because he wants you to learn it's not in your strength. It's not our ability in the flesh. It's his power through the spirit and through his word. Now, that's pretty exciting because I want you to listen to this statement. And this statement is really um, one that just, um, you gotta think about it, you gotta meditate on it. The Lord Jesus is our life. And by the way, I was, I'm, I'm always amazed how the Lord orchestrates something. Every song that was sung or we sang this morning ties in to what we're about to talk about. The Lord Jesus is our life so that we cease trying to work for him and begin allowing him to be our all in all and do his work through him. In other words, God says, I didn't save you and call you for you to work for me. I saved you and called you so that I can work in you and through you. Now listen to that statement. He is our all in all. Just meditate on that. It will, it will, it will change your whole way of thinking. He is my all. That means he is my all in everything, in every act, in every thought, in every um, ministry, in everything that I do, in all of my roles as a husband, as a, as a teacher, as, as a father, as a grandfather, in all of those, in every area, he is my all, in all. And if we could just get that little phrase in our mind, that when we go out soul winning, he's your all in all that you do in soul winning. He is your all in all that you do in your classes. He wants you to learn. Some of you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you go to your teachers and say, Brother Houck, I don't know if I can get this assignment done. I mean, you give me all these projects. How do you expect me to get it done in seven weeks? I don't. I expect the Lord to get it done through you. 
And that's what you have to learn at Bible college, that you can't do it on your own. You say, well, <laughs> academics is no big deal to me. I can, I can wing those projects out in no time. Okay, but there's some other area where God's going to teach you that you can't do it without him. And by the way, if he's given you that ability academically, you better thank him because it's his all in you. It's not you. It's him. It's him. So, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth where? In me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what he's saying? We're to live a life of faith and we're to live a life where we are trusting him in everything, in our all. He is my all, and I'm trusting him in, in my all that I do. That's what Galatians 2.20 is all about. Dying to self, forgetting self. And so the first preparation for anything in life is humbleness. Be humble. Recognize you can't do this on your own. You, God wants you to recognize it's all through him. Secondly, be comforted. Be comforted. Look at verse seven. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now I guarantee you, you get out in the work, you get out in that hunt, and um, you're gonna need to cast some burdens on Christ. There's going to be some, some hurdles that you might have to get over. Um, there might be some problems that are going to come up, and you're going to need the Lord. Now, Psalm 37 and verses 5 and 7, listen to what it says in verse 5. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, it's interesting, that word commit you know what that means? It means the idea of rolling something up and rolling it to the Lord. That's the idea of commitment. Taking the burden that you have, taking the, the problem you have, and you just take it all and you commit it to the Lord. You just, Lord, I'm rolling this to you, it's yours. And then notice what he says in verse seven of chapter 37. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. He says, look, he says, first of all, commit it to me. Give it to me. Trust me with it. Then just rest. I think we all know what rest means. Rest means there to recline or to lean upon someone or something. And God says, look, rest in me. Lean on me. We sing that song once in a while, leaning on the everlasting arms. That's what he's saying here. Lean on me. Look, God has the strength to sustain us. You know, Jesus gave us a beautiful illustration of this in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. And those that have had life of Christ with me, um, you've probably heard this, but 
look at, look at the, those verses. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when I used to read that all the time, I missed some things that Jesus said here. For instance, he said, um, take my yoke upon you, and then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I used to think, well, how taking a bird, taking a yoke on, a yoke is what you put two animals in to pull a plow or to pull a wagon or something. How could I be resting in that? But there were two kind of yokes that they had back in that time. One yoke was for two animals that were mature, they were trained, they knew what to do when they were put in the harness, and they worked together. But then there was what was called a training harness, where they would take a mature animal that knew what he was doing, and they would take a calf or, or a young animal that hadn't learned yet, and all that animal would do is walk alongside the trained animal. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, take my yoke. You don't have to bear the burden. You don't have to do the work. I'll do the work. You just walk alongside me. And by the way, that's how he wants us to live the Christian life. Take his yoke upon us. And if we take his yoke upon us and we've given ourselves to live and serve with him, then let him do the work. Let him do the work. You just walk alongside and enjoy his company and his fellowship and recognize it's his power, not yours. And it ties right in with the humility. When you're tied in with Christ, you humble yourself, say, Lord, this is yours, I can't do this. I'm, I'm just gonna walk along, you, you, do, you carry the burden. And he will. And believe me, a lot of you have some burdens today. I know that some of you have had sick loved ones and some of your parents and some of your family have cancer and, and others have lost loved ones and you've got burdens. Some of you have financial burdens. You have all kinds of things. And what is God saying? Cast it all on me. Don't you sit and fret about it. Give it to me. And then notice the second part of this. He know, know that he cares about you. Notice what he says. Casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. Wow. You realize God cares about you? You say, how can God care about me? I'm just, I'm nothing. He cares about us. If he didn't care about us, he wouldn't have come and died on the cross for our sins. If he didn't care about us, he wouldn't have given us the Holy Spirit as a comforter. If he didn't care about us, he wouldn't have given us the written word of God. He cares about you. He knows everything about you. Girls, he knows how many hairs were in the sink this morning when you combed your hair. <laughs> Fellas, he knows how many pimples you had on your nose this morning. I mean, he knows everything. And he cares about us. 
He says, look, if, if God knows when one sparrow falls to the ground, does he not care for you? Oh, he loves us and he cares for us. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. We have a God of comfort. And when you're going through those difficulties and you're carrying those burdens, he says, look, offload those burdens on me and let me give you comfort. Isn't it interesting that one of the key names of the Holy Spirit, he's called the comforter? Because that's what he's here to do, to comfort us. Now, he's going to convict us and he's going to guide us and teach us, but he's also going to bring comfort. Then he says in verse 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Look, you might be carrying some sufferings and some burdens and some things, but he says, with all of that, that abounds in your life, so does my comfort and consolation abound in your life. That's where you're going to get your comfort from. I remember when my dad passed away. And um, this was back in 1981. My dad passed away at 78. And um, I remember the comfort that God's word and the Holy Spirit gave me in that loss. There's been times when we've had burdens with our children, burdens in the ministry. Where did I get the comfort? You get it from the Holy Spirit. You get it from the word of God. That's what he's provided for us. So be humble. Second of all, be comforted. Put your trust in him. Lean on him. When you go into the hunt, Lord, I, we can't do this. We got it. We, we need you. We need your power. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need your abilities to work through us. But then the last thing is this. Be ready. Be ready. Why? Very simple. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Look, first of all, realize you and I have an adversary. And he's out to get you. If he can't get you to drop out of Bible college and quit, then he'll try to get you once you're in the ministry. He wants to destroy you. And if we are not humble and leaning on the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and casting all of our burdens and cares upon him, he'll use those very things to bring us down. He'll use our pride. He will use our distrust in God or trying to bear and work out the things on our own. And when we fail, then we want to quit. 
Some of you probably want to quit right now. But it's because you're leaning on your own strength. And the devil's saying, you don't need this. You don't have to do this. Just quit. No, don't quit. Look to the Lord. He's out to get us. And as he says, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, you've got to be always on the watch. You know what's interesting about Satan? Satan doesn't attack and attack and attack. He'll attack and then he'll withdraw. And about the time we think, oh man, got victory over this sin or I got victory over this or that, boom, he'll hit you again. And that's why we have to be constantly sober and vigilant because he's always lurking in the shadows, looking for that moment. But take comfort in what he says in verses 9 and 10. Your adversary, but he says your resistance. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Now, by the way, you're not going to stand against the devil on your own. Notice it says stand steadfast in your what? Faith. Your faith. Where does your faith get strengthened? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by Word of God. Look, if the devil can get you out of the word of God, your strength of your faith to resist him will be weakened. It'll be weakened. And and you're going to get discouraged. And you forget the strength of faith comes from the word of God. And as we're in God's word, and God gives us that strength and increases our faith, And it says there, resist steadfast in the faith. If you know what God's word says, then you can resist the temptations and the attacks of the devil. Because you know what he's going to do? He's going to try to cast doubt on God's word. Or he's going to deceive you by getting you to think something that is not true to God's word. So... We must know God's word. For instance, some of you might be thinking, well, this hunt, how's it really going to work? I mean, are we really going to see any results? Well, if you put your faith and trust in God, you've submitted to the authority that has organized and, and planned this hunt, God will bring the victory. But if our faith is weak, then we got a problem. Because the Bible says we're to walk by faith, not by what? Sight. And you're going to look at all the obstacles, and you're going to see all the problems, you're going to say, how are we going to get this done? God says, don't look at the obstacle, look at me. I'm the one that's going to get it done. You just follow me. Second of all, notice the next part of this in verse 10. It says, but the, the um, oh no, I'm sorry, middle of verse nine, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He says, you know what? <laughs> this, is, this is great. This is a comfort. Know this, that all Christians are facing the same adversary. We're facing the same trials. We're same, facing some of the same um, things in our life that other Christians are going through. And what Satan wants us to think is, well, I'm the only one that has this problem, or I'm the only one that's battling this sin, or I'm the only one that's, that's struggling with my courses, or I'm the only one that's tired, or I'm the only one that's frustrated. No, we're all going through those things. 
But he says, look, <laughs> look at verse 10. I love this. He says, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Look, all these trials, all these difficulties you're going through, there's a purpose. God says, I have a purpose. He says, first of all, I want you to see that the God of all grace, God and his grace, is sufficient for all these things. And it will lead us eventually to our eternal position and state. But he will also bring us to a stage of where he matures us, he establishes us, we're strengthened, and we're settled in our faith. And when we are, then God can continue to work through us. And when we pull away from the Lord and we try to do it on our own, he'll remind us, we'll fall flat in our face, and we'll learn, okay, Lord, I, I did this on my own, I did it in the flesh, and um, I fell flat, I failed. Lord, you're my all in all. So three keys to preparation. Be humble, be comforted, be ready.